once again and welcome to the Political Profundity Podcast. John Guzan and Karen Weil. Hello, Karen. Hi. Today we have three kind of big topics. Uh, we're here um, right after Super Tuesday to kind of give our wrap-up of that. Um, uh, we've kind of thrown a title on it, Joe Biden Goes Supernova. Um, really over the past five days, uh, what's happened to his campaign and what really shook out in the Democratic presidential primary. Um, and then we're going to be jumping into um, the uh, talk about whether critiquing uh, the response to COVID-19 or you know, better known as the coronavirus um, becomes political or whether we can say anything about anything and not have people say, hey, you're making this politics. Um, but sometimes it is. Um, and we'll discuss that at least. And then we're going to be talking about, uh, regardless of everything else that's going on, uh, Trump still is being Trump. Uh, we have a couple kind of mini topics to kind of throw in to that whole discussion. Maybe what's going on with the border wall, um, you know, what, what happened with some of his recess appointments or actually not a recess appointment, but those kind of temporary acting heads of departments. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the Afghanistan and Taliban deal. And um, just the last little bit I threw in there is donating a salary to HHS, that little kind of uh, scandal or, or lack thereof, I guess, that he's kind of put out there. Um, a little PR stunt, uh, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, you know, but Karen, here we are sitting um, after Super Tuesday. Um, the, we did our, our political profundity podcast last time about two weeks ago. Um, kind of talking about we didn't know how it was going to shake out, but we probably had a good idea that we would know a lot better after Super Tuesday. Um, you know, and I think it was a month ago that I was kind of pointing out that it looked like Biden had a pretty good run just because um, there was a couple caucus states, um, you know, to, you know uh, which we kind of knew that always would kind of show up with Bernie's ground army. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, with New Hampshire being what it is, it's a little bit of a different animal. Um, he came out of the first real primary contest in South Carolina, really strong, thanks to Jim Clyburn and some others. Um, but here he is standing um, after Super Tuesday, Joe Biden, and looks like he's definitely the front runner again. And uh, he's looking like he's taking control of the Democratic primary. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that he had a really good night. Um, he won... After uh, the votes in these states were tallied, he's won now, he's got a total of 553 delegates along, and then just within the last week, he's picked up 538. Um, as we know, he had a big win in South Carolina uh, last week. Um, and it, it's just so funny because a few weeks ago, <clears throat> uh, sorry, everybody, and uh, you know, everybody was predicting this man's campaign was, you know, DOA or, or near that status. Um, and lo and behold, you know, you have a bunch of states, some that are more conservative, with a more conservative democratic voting base than others, uh, bring in and, um, turns out his campaign is uh, not quite dead on arrival. I, Bernie Sanders, I think did pretty well. Um, 488, he's got total delegates. He got 443. I, I think the bigger surprise to me, John, is Elizabeth Warren's showing, um, which was, not particularly good. You know, she just, she picked up 53 delegates and, and unless I'm wrong, I think she didn't even win Massachusetts. I right, believe yeah. Sanders did or, yeah, um, yeah, well, I, I think, I think, I, th I think they gave it to Biden and uh, <laughs> Sanders was oh. a close second. And so, my, yeah, she comes my, in third in apologies. Massachusetts. My apologies. The last time I checked because there were so many of these races and again, it, it's, you know, sort of this, 
breathless count until the tallies are finally in of, of who's ahead or who's not. So my apologies for the confusion on that. So indeed, Biden won, you know, quote unquote, ultra liberal Massachusetts. Um, but again, for Warren not even to win her home state is, uh, you know, shocking. And I'm sure for her an unpleasant surprise. Um, I, I think we've seen Michael Bloomberg's candidacy really is, uh, you know, there, there are rumors today he's supposed to drop out, but we don't know what, what the official word on that is. Of course, two people who are no longer in the race, Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar, picked up a few delegates, and they've both thrown their support solidly behind the former vice president. Um, Tulsi Gabbard has all of one <sighs> delegate right now, and, you know, her She's not really being a drag. Pardon? So, yeah, yeah, she's definitely not dragging out anybody else. But, you know, why is this <laughs> war? You know, I mean, you had alluded to, um, you know, what's going on with Elizabeth Warren. What, you know, really, what do you think, you know, kind of, you know, you know stuck well, out? The narrative, if you listen to, which I do, uh, quite a few podcasts <laughs> um, on the political spectrum, probably more than I should be listening to. But there's a narrative sort of within this punditry group now, and they may be completely wrong. But the sense is among sort of rank-and-file Democratic voters and certain, say, groups within that base that the idea is it has to be a white man, candidly, uh, and unfortunately because we no longer have candidates of color in the race, um, with, of course, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, uh, you know, having dropped out, uh, Andrew Yang having dropped out, um, and I may be missing somebody, so again, please excuse me. But that's that's the narrative. Now, you know, fair or not, and I, I think that's a narrative because of what happened in 2016. We had a a woman candidate whose name doesn't even have to be mentioned, you know, and this is not biased to say, a trillion times more qualified than Donald Trump would ever be, uh, lose the Electoral College, albeit by a razor, razor thin margin. And to this day, frankly, there's still questions over some of those votes and whether they were legitimate for Trump in the first place. Um, but that's just, you know, we know how these kinds of, these sort of, if you will, a fear campaign begins among voters who are still very angry and raw over what happened three and a half years ago and how they may react. Uh, look, Joe Biden, whether anybody likes him or not, has been in general a pretty popular politician. Now, not the most successful presidential candidate in the past. That's pretty obvious. But as I've said before on this podcast, there is a certain amount of goodwill for Biden among not only a lot of Democrats, but dare I even say maybe quite a few independent voters and maybe just maybe even the tiniest percentage of Republican voters that does not exist for Trump and may not exist for other Democrats. And I don't think the Trump campaign understands that at all. I don't think his voters do. I don't think a lot of mainstream media pundits on cable news do either. Um, that may be one factor here with his big win. Of course, the man was the vice president for eight years with, you know, Barack Obama being president, uh, in general, considered a, a successful ter tenure. Um, and somebody I think people really identify with personally. 
in many ways, especially given, as we know, the former vice the former vice president has experienced tremendous amount of loss and heartbreak in his family. Um, and I mean, after all, let's not to you know to beat a dead horse. Although I don't think it's a dead horse, Donald Trump just got impeached in December because he was trying to interfere with Biden's campaign, trying to dirty him up because he saw these polls last summer showing Biden beating him soundly. And I'm not just talking about national polls. We're talking about these, you know, incredibly difficult swing states that the Democrats are going to have to win if they have any chance. Pennsylvania. And Trump is weaker in some of them than a lot of people realize. And so I'm not I'm not surprised Biden did well. Um, You know, there's still other states, you know, we're going to have primaries in that could change the whole dynamic. Bernie Sanders is still a force to be reckoned with. Um, He may very well, uh, you know, win more of these. Um, Again, with Warren being in third place here, I'm just not sure what's going to happen with her campaign. And, of course, with Bloomberg, if he decides to drop out, it will be very interesting to see who he throws his support behind. And, of course, if he's going to lend his considerable financial largesse to helping the Democrats defeat Trump um, in in November. But, I, you know, I, I said this before on the podcast, too, about any election. The only poll that really matters is the day of the election and when the votes are counted. Right. Um, we've seen many times where polls have been wildly wrong. And I'm not just talking about 2016. There are numerous other examples of these as well. Um, most famous, I suppose, being ever Dewey beats, you know, when everybody believed that uh, Harry Truman was going to lose the presidential race in 1948. And he didn't. Yeah. Um, so it's still, you know, as far as I'm concerned, John, it's a long way to the Democratic Convention in Milwaukee, and it's still a long way to November. And anything is possible. But again, I, I think uh, the, the you know, obviously the reports about Biden's campaign campaign being a mess, and you know, uh, those were premature. Yeah. So he's he's in first place. We'll see, you know, how he handles that from here on out. Yeah, you know, I mean, I. You know, at least about a month ago, it looked to me before any votes were cast, it, it, it did seem to me that there was a path and that, you know, the caucus states, I think, are, are you know, have a fundamental weakness to them just because it's 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 based upon ground game. And that's great. Um, but it doesn't really show what's going to happen when people have to in mass vote. Um, and, and so, you know, I like Biden's chances at that time. That didn't mean that I, I didn't get nervous after seeing what was going on in Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, and especially in Nevada, I was a little worried after that because, you know, you think people go out, but you know, what really held me, you know, because polls had showed him, uh, Biden with a big lead, um, uh, in January, late December. Um, but again, a caucus state, which, which just, it, 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 I, I just don't think they really show, um, you know, the clearness of the, uh, of what the electorate wants. Um, but. You know, we also then talked on our last podcast about what, you know, I called uh, Bernie the Trump of, of, of 2020 just because of what happens when you have a large field. Um, and, and, you know, that's what I think sunk Warren. And we had talked about that, too, is that I think, you know, they have very similar policy positions, but he's just a lot stronger of a campaigner and with a, you know, more intense ground game, which has been six years in the making. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I just think he siphons votes away from Elizabeth Warren, 
Um, you know, and, you know, we can talk about gender. You know, I don't really think to a certain level it doesn't matter so much in the Democratic primary. Um, and I don't think it really mattered here. I just think it, it means, you know, what Bernie represents, his energy. Um, and I, yeah, I just think it siphons votes from Elizabeth Warren if, if you know, put them each in a vacuum. Um, you know, and I think I think they're 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 a lot, you know, they're they're very similar candidates. Um, and we had also talked about it last time. What was going on with Biden is that even in these some of these states, there are so many moderate candidates that they were pulling, um, you know, votes from him. Obviously, getting getting Klobuchar and Buttigieg to or or them deciding that they didn't have a path. You know, I don't really want to get into that because I don't know what goes on and who knows what kind of deals were made. And, I, you know, whether there was or not, this happens every time and we know it. And if you want to say it's a conspiracy, then then you probably will believe it's one whether I say it's not. Um, and, it, you know, it, you know, and obviously I'm talking the general you hear, Karen, not 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 specifically to you. Um but, you know, it obviously gave Biden a huge boost to not have yeah. the rest of the moderates clogging up his lane. And, you know, the delegate count that he would have seen with Bloomberg out of the race would have been even, you know, uh, more substantial. Um, and so, you know, Warren, well, yeah, uh, you know, if Warren gets out, it, you know, then it, then it, you know, now that Bloomberg's gone, it does make it that two-person yeah, race, and we'll yeah. get to see. Uh, you know, my prediction would still be we'd looking at sixty to forty splits for the most part, Biden to Sanders. Um, you know, and, and and so you know that's where it goes. Whether Biden gets the nineteen ninety one, I don't know. And again, the nineteen ninety one is what you need in order to clinch on first ballot at the at the, at, at the convention. Uh, I don't know if he does or not, but um, he's on his way. It 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 you know there's you know Florida's coming up. Um, you know, he's probably going to look pretty good in that state because there's a lot of very moderate Democrats in, in Florida. Um, but we'll yeah. have to see. But obviously, the dropouts made a big difference, um, the endorsements. And we also have talked about, you know, momentum and, and when you're ready. And, you know, Judge kind of peaked early. I also think that there was, you know, a lot of folks, you know, you know, whether I want to throw gender out the window, I don't think you can, you know, vote um, or, or throw um, that 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 he's a gay man out the window. Uh, we saw what happened in Iowa. Um, you know, it's just the honesty of the electorate. You know, I, it's just the way that it is, whether it's right or wrong. And I think it's wrong that people would judge based upon somebody's sexual orientation. But we know that it that that it does happen. Um, he was always going to have to run into that. Um, that was a huge hill to climb. But um you know, having those endorsements, O'Rourke in Texas really helped Biden. Um, Klobuchar yes. really helped Biden in Minnesota. Um, you know, and and you know these these are things that can't be, um, you know, you know now taken away. Uh, he's obviously got the Joe momentum as they're calling it, and 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 here we go into, um, you know, March tenth is going to be a huge day, and and we'll know even more then. I mean, you know, we got. Every seven days is going to be a big day, um, you know. You know, from from here on out. Yeah, for sure. I, and I, I'm sorry, I wasn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I guess as we were talking, I just realized, yes, it's official, as you said. Bloomberg is is out of the race, so um, yeah. So that's just uh, one less person who got a lot of hype in his campaign. One billion earlier, dollars less, it, it, right? Yeah, <laughs> it didn't pan out. Um, I, I I felt all along with Buttigieg that it, uh, you know. He 
just he's he's so young and there has so much potential and promise. And, you know, I I've heard some people say, I think when America does have its first gay president and eventually that is going to happen, um, watch it be him. Um, you know, but I think it depends on what he's going to do in the next five, 10 years. I, you know, probably run for Congress or maybe, uh, you know, maybe Senate seat, although that might be harder in Indiana, but I don't think, I don't think we've heard the last of him at all. He's definitely not. He's somebody. Yeah. He's somebody with, I think a very strong future, but yeah, it's, it's going to be up to him now how he decides to pursue that. Uh, just like with Beto O'Rourke, somebody who came very close to beating Ted Cruz, uh, you know, almost two years ago, is, was not is not challenging John Cornyn in Texas, and Cornyn is, believe it or not, more vulnerable than people may think uh, in that state. But um, you know, it, it decided. You know, well, he was running for president; that didn't work out. I, and I think, in his case, it might have been because it was just too soon. So, you know, I think if anything, this election season has taught us that there are a lot of people on the Democratic side who have. You know, potential. Um, I would say that, you know, I, fairness, I can't really, we can't say that about the Republican field right now because there isn't sort of, say, William Weld or Joe Walsh. Um, and I guess William Weld won about 20,000 votes in California. I mean, Trump, of yeah. course, won his primary here, as I'm sure he did in pretty much all the Republican primaries. Although it is interesting that Weld has been, you know, doing better maybe than some people thought, which I think shows. You know, that tiny percentage of, of Republicans who don't like Trump and don't want to support him. and But they may not want to support a Democrat either. Yeah. Well, November. They're, and, um, and, and, and they're not even holding Republican primaries for the presidential well, election in a lot of states. Arizona, yeah, South Carolina I, are, are, you know, two of them off the top of my head. Interesting. I mean, if Donald Trump is just so strong, it seems to me these states would welcome a primary to show his strength. I find it very interesting, John, that they don't. For whatever that's worth on the uh, on the GOP side, and obviously the you know there's not a lot of attention to what's going on with that because again it's it's a well you know we've got have had this wide open field on the Democratic side and, and more of the sort of interest in turnout you know happening for that but uh, yeah I you know on to uh, on to the next set of primaries which I know are coming we have uh, in March on March 10th we're going to have Idaho Michigan Mississippi Missouri North Dakota. Washington State, um, and your state's coming up March 17th. Then we've still got Georgia coming up after that, which is a, a red state now, kind of purplish, maybe going blue. We just don't know. Um, so there's still, you know, there's still a lot more hurdles, candidly, for Vice President Biden to clear uh, for Bernie Sanders. And we'll just, you know, we're going to see what more Elizabeth Warren can do to maybe pick up more support and make herself an important factor. Uh, yeah, I mean, you for, know, you know, the future Democratic nominee. Oh yeah, and you know, just like we talked about it, you know, I guess I'm, you know, one of the last questions is, you know, that I have for you is, does Warren? I mean, obviously, she's going to be the only one, and we, you know, we had talked about her siphoning votes from from Bernie. Um, you know, she stays in much longer. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Biden has nobody else in the moderate lane. Bloomberg's out. Everybody else is out. Um, you know, so you got the, you know, these two political ideologues that are kind of, you know, Warren and Sanders that are, are, are going to be taking votes from each other. Um, does she make it to March uh, 17th, do you think, in your opinion? I mean, if I had to answer, I mean, today, based on what we've seen, I'd say no. But again, I 
you just never know That's how these right. primary seasons go because <laughs> I mean you're kind of seeing the narrative with Biden, which I, I don't think is a fair comparison, and it's nothing against John Kerry that this is John Kerry 2.0, and I absolutely don't agree. The dynamics of 2004 have nothing to do with what's going on now. Um, you know, whatever you want to say about George W. Bush as a president, and and frankly, I remember you and I having a bet. Back then, I said I believed he was going to win a second term um, <laughs> because, because you know, there was just – there were so many different factors. Donald Trump isn't anywhere near as popular as Bush was. And I, I just – I think there's also a narrative that's growing. Americans just want somebody – you keep hearing this all over the place. John, I want somebody in the White House I don't have to hear about every day. And that, I think, is going to be a huge factor for voters come November. Um, but, you know, again, Warren, I, I, I think just if, if she can do just well enough, she may be, shall we say, a kingmaker in terms of, you know, and, it, and who she switches her support to, you know, that's going to be a huge deal. I mean, if she gives it to Biden or, you know, Either one, she gives it to either one of to Biden or Sanders. That's going to really raise their stock a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and but you know, again, just we all thought Howard Dean was going to be the nominee in two thousand four. Well, he wasn't. Yeah, well, we all you thought know, maybe John John Edwards had a better chance in early two thousand eight. Well, or or Hillary Clinton did. Yeah. Well, you know, this incredibly charismatic African American senator, you know, from Illinois via Hawaii. Um, came into the stratosphere and the rest is history. Again, as we've seen in many of these primaries, you know, whatever conventional wisdom you're leaning on, yeah, it's probably a good idea to, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah, you know, you know, and and you know, I don't remember exactly the date, but it was around this time where Dean be, was it was clear that he wasn't going to make it. And you know, it was right. around um, you know, Super Tuesday, where it was pretty clear that the votes weren't there. And the last little bit before we move on to the next point, because, you know, we kind of want to move on to this really fast today. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it really came down to, and, and we're always, where I, what I saw as Biden's strength was people voting when they have to actually get down to actually putting it in. There's a lot of talk that goes on, but then people actually have to put their vote in and, and who you're going to vote for. Um, you know, Bernie had been there. I think that's why he still remains strong. He's got that strong core. But Klobuchar and Buttigieg and Warren even hadn't been on that stage before. And when you get to that point, you know, you know, it just it, it becomes that familiarity. It becomes, you know, some of those other levels. Um, and the last little bit I want to throw out is, um, you know, I want to ask you a question. Uh, one, I'm, one, I'm going to make a statement um, and then I'm going to throw a question to you. Um, and I don't think it's been talked about very much, but the strength that what happened with the impeachment and um, Burisma gives Joe Biden when they get into the one-on-one matchup with Donald Trump because it allows the impeachment talk to never go away because he can bring it up whenever he wants because it's part of his narrative um, that any of the other Democratic candidates would have a hard time doing. But he can keep hammering Trump and hammering Trump on the impeachment on what he did in order to try to to sink his campaign um, at every debate, at every campaign stop, um, and and you, know, I think it's an advantage that no other Democratic uh, uh, candidate had. Um, 
so that's just you know my statement. Obviously, you can comment on that if you want. But the last question I wanted to have from you is, what do you think the chances are of a Biden-Bernie ticket at this point? Mm. Slim and none. <laughs> that sounds like slim and I, none, Karen. I would say... Again, and I might be wrong, and I'll admit when I am. Um, I think it's because I, I, you know, again, one of the other strong narratives are now, we already talked about that many Democratic voters believe it needs to be a man, candidly, to really take on Trump and soundly defeat him. That being said, either if it's Biden or Sanders, they, they should find a qualified woman, you know, and or person of color, because as we know, the, the Democratic base is not really white. Uh, you know, it is made up of you know, African-Americans, people of the, from the Latinx community, of course, women, uh, Asian-Americans, South Asian-Americans, Native Americans. That's not to say there aren't any of those in the Republican Party. There certainly are, although they are not in general the core base anymore of that party. And the GOP has acknowledged that more or less in the past. Um, so I, I do think whichever man ends up taking all of it, he's, he's going to have to consider finding someone who's going to broaden the appeal and, and perhaps excite more voters, you know, who are younger. And, and, you know, and I'm not saying voters of color, that just matters to them. They want people who are qualified no matter what their race, ethnicity, or gender. But, you know, again, there are such complicated factors involved in, especially with the Democratic nominee, whereas a GOP, you can have two white candidates and, okay, we go from there. Although there have been some rumors, how true they are, you know, we don't know, but that Trump may very well kick Pence out and put Kate and Nikki Haley on, uh, to broaden his appeal, which I don't think would help all that much. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I understand where you're coming ahead. from, Karen. I just don't know whether, you know, whether, whether folks want to be, you know, politically correct and even using Latinx and all that, all that, all, all that I discussion. That. Whereas we understand that, you know, if you're from, if you speak Spanish, you understand that there's, there's, there's just ways that go. And so these I, are a lot of Americans trying to throw things on there and people from a certain you know, position. But the fact is, is that in this political situation, we had candidates of color that just didn't get votes and just didn't get support, even from those communities. That is correct. So, you know, you know, you want to talk about if, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, Harris still wasn't doing well in South Carolina and, and, and neither was Cory Booker. And, and so, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's energy, it's ground game. It's, it's who people are going to vote for. I saw a very interesting thing that, um, I don't remember who the pundit was, uh, African-American. I think it was Jonathan Capehart, but I don't want to say, say say that 100% sure and be wrong about it. But um, they were talking about it, like in the African-American community. They've been on the on the situation where they vote on survival and, and who's best for them, not 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 who they think they want, but who they think that's best that they that that could win and that. You know, he was he was referring to that they've gone even further back to that at this point because they realize the danger that Donald Trump is, and and so you know, you know, I mean, I'm 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 still back to the whole, you know, I remember, um, you know, when I was a kid reading about Martin Luther King saying, you know, judging people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin, and I think, 
you know, the faster we can get to that and try to get out of this, how many women we have, how many, how many, how many minorities we have, are they, are they worth it? Are these people worth it? And, and can they win? And, and really, you know, that always has to be, and, and, and it continues to be what most people think of, not people who have an agenda or want to see certain things happen or change, um, because good people will change them. Um, and it doesn't really matter what, what they are. Um, and, and so, you know, I think the electorate has shown that this year. But no, you make good points, John. Again, as I said, this is a, a complicated choice for whoever the Democratic nominee is going to be. Um, I, you know, again, just as you see the vast majority of Republican voters coalesced around Trump, one thing you hear from Democratic voters, I just want a team who will beat Trump because I want this, I want this insanity to end. And it, it could it, it, if it takes a, a Biden-Bernie ticket or reversal, fine. I don't think there's going to be the kind of, you know, there's not going to be the sort of mentality that there was in 2016 when Hillary Clinton became the nominee, where you had a percentage of, of people who had been Sanders voters either voting for Trump, and I know they were still a small percentage out of spite, or, or voting for Jill Stein, or just not voting. I don't think we're going to see that this time. So, you know, you might be proven right here. I, again, it's a long way to the convention. Yeah, and, you know... I you know, call, you know, if if I had to have my druthers, and if I was the kingmaker, and I could have just put somebody into the presidency, it probably would have been Kamala Harris t- to me in in November and October. Um, but you know, um, I'll answer my own question there. I don't think that 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 Bernie would ever go on the underside of the, the ticket. Um, mm. I just don't think he'd take the vice presidency. Um, but you know, that's 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 just my impression. I think that that would be unbeatable. And, and that they would roll over Trump and Pence or Haley or whomever it might be. Um, but yeah. I just don't think Bernie would take it. Um, and, you know, and so hopefully, you know, Biden will probably do the, you know, the calculation based on what he needs to in order to be as strong, um, uh, you know, politically, where people have a, a, a strong base, um, maybe a state that he's weak in, um, you know, using the old traditional reasons to select a vice presidential nominee instead of some of these new ones, which might be a little bit more vogue and the same mistake I think John McCain made um, by, by, by reaching out for Sarah Palin. Um, I think they wanted to put a woman on the ticket and, and you saw how that backfired on them. Um, and so, you know, I mean, maybe you should have chosen another one, obviously, um, you know, another person because she was just not a good person regardless of her gender. And, you know, I, again, that's, really, I think, always is what's going to carry the day is some of these other factors. Um, you know, Alaska didn't bring anything to his campaign. Um, and that, you know, it's another big, 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 um, you know, deficit for that choice. Um, but anyway, um, are we ready to move on to uh, coronavirus slash COVID-19? Um, obviously, mm-hmm. um, testing kits, they shut down the uh, travel. Um, everyone is applauding that. Um, it's what happened afterwards. Um, testing kits um, were not done properly. They weren't. Um, everybody was in the in the White House. Uh, the Trump administration were trying to downplay it, saying it was just going to go away. No big deal. Nothing to see here. Move on. Move on. Now we have at least nine deaths in Washington. Um, you know, probably about a thousand people that ever are, are going to be infected um, very soon here. Um, 
it's been said that there can't be any critiques of Donald Trump uh, uh, Jr. saying, you know, Democrats will be happy till a million people die so that they can bury Trump. Um, you know, it, it seems like they're losing this and they know it um, just because of the factors that they haven't taken on. And they can't really rely on the facts because that response was so poor um, that either the test kits, whatever happened with them, whether they didn't, they didn't really push it. Um, who knows what really happened? But there's obviously something to get to here because there was, um, you know, community spread has been going on and all these people are being found. Now the tests are actually happening. Um, this political game around this virus, um, you know, we should be I mean, my opinion is we should be able to critique what's going on in order to fix what's going to happen in the future over the next two, three, four weeks, which are going to be just as important as the previous two or four that maybe weren't executed as properly as they should have been. Um, and, and that it's not political to, to say, hey, you could have done a better job. It's only political because you're running for president right now and it makes you look not, you know, not, not it makes you look like the kind of president that I kind of think Donald Trump is. I'm not very good one. Um, is there... There's no really winning here for Trump unless he would have done the right job, don't you think? I mean, he's where he's at, and anybody who's calling it political is only because it hurts him politically. But they're not doing it for political reasons. They're doing <laughs> it for the right reasons of we have to fix this. Do you see it that well, same way? You know, yeah, you make you make some excellent points. You know, it's funny, John. Uh, let's go on the way back machine to, oh, the fall of 2014. Hey, can, hey, can I take Mr. Peabody with me in the way back machine? I'm sorry. I just love that. You said that. And <laughs> Yes, exactly. Back to the future. But <laughs> there was a, a disease called Ebola, and there were concerns that it was starting to spread again. You can recall some elements of the mainstream media really going on about that and basically saying that the Obama administration was not doing an effective job of containing the spread you know, or responding properly to it. Now, this was right before a major election, the midterms, in which, of course, as you remember, Democrats got trounced uh, and the GOP's you know, domination of the Senate and the House was, you know, cemented as it was for near another five years. Um, and one of the people criticizing President Obama was none other than then reality show host Donald <laughs> Trump. Um, hey, wait, and, hey, and wait, wait, on, wait, wait, Karen, he's still a reality show host. Well, yeah, you know, then still a, a reality show host who seemed at that time just almost obsessed with President Obama in a, in ways that were really unsavory. Celebrity um, White House. At, yeah. At any rate, um, so now Donald Trump has this job, and it's his job to make sure that the American public is gets all the information, all the facts. And that his administration is doing everything it can to have test kits, to have a firm containment strategy, and above all, again, to reassure people that, look, the, the you know, this is still not a great threat to the general public. If you're healthy, if you're washing your hands, you know, if you're just taking common sense precautions, except basically, as we learned earlier in the week and last week, Trump was more worried about the effect on the stock market, because the only thing he can run on with any sort of success would be the economy, for which, frankly, even some conservative economists have said he deserves next to no credit for. 
Um, and so if that starts faltering, he's going to have an even bigger problem going into November, along with being impeached, along with being far politically weaker than many understand right now. Um, you know, I think I, I saw today that they have the, you know, Vice President Pence announced that they had uh, 2,500 testing kits total to, to to deal with this. When we're and we're seeing by the basically by the half hour now, if you follow social media and you're following a lot of news reports, another diagnosis, another person, and other people dying. Um, and that's in our country. Never mind what's happened in China or in Italy or in other nations now where or South Korea where the spread of this is is has really started. Um and again, Donald Trump has made this about him. And and whining about how he's just not being treated fairly and, and, and then of course reverting to this is Obama's fault. It should be noted that Donald Trump ended funding for the program to contain illnesses like this as he's ended many things that happened in the Obama administration, I suspect purely out of spite and jealousy uh, of Barack Obama. Um, this is not a serious person to handle this. And, and the interesting thing is, John, as we've seen, viruses don't care about rallies or MAGA rallies. They don't care about approval ratings. They don't care about the stock market. None of those things matter. Um, and that's and this is why Donald Trump's poll numbers, which as we know they when they hit made up hit in a Gallup poll, you know, forty nine percent. We we watched that and I had a feeling it's not gonna stay at that number. And of course it hasn't. It's fallen back down to the low forties uh, in general in a lot of these polls. And I, I, I certainly think if you're looking at how Americans are responding right now, they really don't seem to have a lot of confidence in this administration to get this right. And especially when we've learned that they knew back in January this was coming and should have then and there had their health and human services director, Alex Azar, come up with a concrete plan to deal with this. And by all accounts, unless I'm missing something, John, he didn't. Um, we, we, they have Anthony Fauci, the you know, very noted doctor who's been uh, you know, an expert in, in this since the AIDS era of the 1980s. You know, kind of joining the staff, but there have been odd, these odd sort of, you know, PR events where either Fauci was supposed to speak and then he didn't. Now Fauci claims he's being muzzled, by, you know, but, you know, to be honest, I don't know how much credibility we can even have in that. And that's nothing against Dr. Fauci. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, the man is trying to help as best he can. But, you know, another thing about this, which I found very troubling. You saw the reports, I believe it was from the Washington Post, that Trump basically wanted Pence to take over this because, quote unquote, he had nothing else to do. Um, I don't know about you, but that doesn't put a, it doesn't instill me with a lot of confidence. You know, he has nothing to do, so let's have him handle this when, frankly, and, and let's, let's mention something about Mike Pence. While as governor of Indiana, he was single, I don't want to say single-handedly, but he played a large role because of some funding he'd cut in an HIV outbreak that happened in part of Indiana. Um, so that, you know, and I, I don't think anybody in the Trump administration even thought about what the blowback from that would be. Mm -hmm. I, again, I, I think people are just on edge about this because we don't have confident, you know, competent leadership to make us feel at least reassured on some level. 
Yeah. Um, for all the failings of the other thing I want to say, I'm sorry, the, for all the failings of the Bush administration, more or less, not always, you know, but they had a better handle on stuff like this, more or less. Yeah. Obviously, when the SARS epidemic started, which didn't really affect the states, but, you know, I, I think the Bush administration had shown some responsible leadership just on that and some other sort of smaller epidemics. Um, doesn't excuse, obviously, what happened there, but with Bush's presidency, but Again, yeah, you know, it's amusing to see to see these headlines from the New York Times and other. Trump has a credibility problem. Oh, really? Well, here's a newsflash. He's had a credibility problem from day one. Yeah. And this isn't helping. Right. And, you know, to, to kind of go back to the question, is it politicizing? And I don't think it is. Um, I, You know, like everything else, I think as, as American citizens, it's our job to be critical when we need to. Um there's been seems like there's been a lot of missteps. It seems like it's spreading in the community. There wasn't testing at the right times. Um, it's also very hard to stop this. Um, and the thing that that you know, I, obviously we we don't need to really, especially you and I, um, don't have any underlying health conditions at this period. Um, we can be strong in it, but we know, you know, from what the experts say about this is that you can have very light symptoms, but you give it to the wrong person and they will die. Um, uh, you know, um, those are elderly. I mean, most of those deaths in Washington state, it unfortunately went into a nursing home, um, where those people are obviously vulnerable. Um, and so, you know, that's the real fear I think with this is that, you know, who you're a carrier to, um, and who you could be shedding this virus to when you have it. Um, most people will have very mild symptoms, but they can, they can, you know, inadvertently kill somebody else because they've, they brought it into a healthcare situation or they brought it into a nursing home or, um, you know, something like that. You know, my parents were still around. There's a lot of times we didn't see them when my son was always sick and always coming home with something. Uh, we would just be like, okay, you know, we're skipping it because we don't know for sure what we got and we want to make sure you don't get pneumonia or whatever. Um, you know, um, you know, this can really, you know, you know, take a toll. And, you know, I think us, you know, being aware of, of, of what's going on is important. Um, you know, Trump calling it a hoax um, the first weekend at his rallies. And then all of a sudden we had deaths the next day. Um, you know, him trying to paint it off. Um, as, as nothing, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't do much good. And, you know, my last point is, you know, he'd be easy to, you know, declare a national emergency for a border wall. Um, but no national emergency has been declared for this. I don't really think it would move the market one way or another, especially when we were in last week when everything was, was falling. Um, it, it, it wouldn't have, you know, registered another blip for him to say, look, I'm doing national emergency declaration so we can get the funds we need so I can move things and do what we need to do when we need to do them. Um, you know, and obviously, um, just worried about the blowback that might've happened in the stock market if he would have done so. Um, and you know, cause that has been thrown out there that, you know, those national emergency powers are, you know, exist there for him and he might pull them out. Um, but when, you know, when will it be too late? Um, eight. $0.3 billion is what's being talked about today that supposedly Congress is finally going to approve by the end of the week and the president might sign by Friday. Um, you know, I just hate to see it be a little, you know, you know, too little too late. Um, and again, you know, most people have nothing to worry about. Um, but, you know, even if it's a 1% fatality rate because you're dealing with those who are elderly have underlying conditions, 
you know, 1%, um, if, if, you know, 70% of the people in the United States get it, you know, you're still talking about a million people or more. Um, and, and that's just, um, it's different. It's different than the flu because it's, it's, it hasn't been around. And so people don't have any national, uh, antibodies built up for it. And so, you know, it's, and you know, you, you, you mentioned Ebola never came to the United States really. Um, you know, we had some cases no, here, but they're really imported to, to be treated. Um, and it's a different kind of disease. It doesn't spread to the air. Um, right. you know, you need fluids specifically. Now we have, um, you know, community spread. You're, you, you can shed COVID-19 or, or the coronavirus at your grocery store, in a movie theater, um, anywhere, uh, airplane. And so, you know, the cases are just going to go up. Just happen to, you know, you have to pray that, that the deaths don't. Um, and I hope that, you know, the Trump administration steps up and shines right now. I mean, and, I, and that's really my hope is that no matter what, there's somebody through there that can do this. Not the HHS secretary who's a former lobbyist, uh, not Mike Pence. You really you really have to hope that somebody else steps up or, or, you know, Trump himself just says, look, me winning an election is not worth anything besides we solving this. And, you know, we hope we get I mean, at least I hope we get there. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hold my breath on that, but, uh, you know, you never know. Um, perhaps somebody can finally get it into Trump's head that, you know, this is actually going to hurt you politically, which it has. Um, so we'll, again, I, I guess we'll see what happens in the next uh, few weeks. Just another aside on the coronavirus, you know, I, I don't know if you heard this. If it, it, this is now starting to have some impacts in terms of, Entertainment, the the James, the new James Bond film, which was supposed to come out in April, has now been pushed all the way back to November, um, because obviously the film you know is promoted internationally, given what an iconic franchise it is, and uh, the, the studio is very worried about you know potential of of uh, you know any possible contact with uh, you know say fans or anybody else who might have the coronavirus. So. You know, that sort of has its own ramifications, yeah. as we mentioned, concerns about the economy. I haven't seen what um, that movie is about, but it would be funny if somebody was trying to spread some uh, sort of outbreak. I mean, is that is that part of the um, uh, uh, is that part of the uh, plot there? Um, I mean, it's called Die <laughs> well, Another Day, isn't it? Or something like that? Uh, it's called, you know, eerily enough, the title is called No Time to Die. No um, Time to Die. There you it's, go. It's it's. Uh, I can't stand Daniel Craig as James Bond. I'm sorry. So I kind of ignore the whole thing. I don't like him as James Bond. I love James (laughs) Bond films, but Daniel Craig doesn't get me. So apologies there. I'm, I'm a fan of Craig, but, and I, you know, life will go on, but it's just, it it goes to show there are obviously the concerns about this virus and what it may do. You know, it's, it's got various industries, very rattled right now. Um, mind people. I was shopping in a, in a store last night, and I saw a woman wearing a mask. Um, yeah, which and which, I, I just which, know, which and don't I, work, by the way. Everyone says that 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 doesn't work. It, right. it even I, can make you sick. Maybe, and it could be she has another kind of illness where she's trying to protect herself. I just don't know. I didn't approach her. I just and I noticed, of course, there was no hand sanitizer on the shelf. So, you know, Trump can claim this is a hoax, and and people can downplay whatever concerns they want. Uh, like a son and claim that uh, Democrats are rubbing their hands with glee over, you know, uh, a pandemic. But th- the bottom line is this, people are worried about this. And what they need to hear from their, especially from executive leadership, is that they're doing everything they can within reason to make sure 
this doesn't spread. And so far, we've, uh, you know, we have not seen a lot of evidence of that. Okay, you know, we're running out of time here. Um, let's move on. You know, we already kind of, I think, did a great segue into it, Trump being Trump. Um, and, you know, it kind of shows what you know, the reaction is to the coronavirus uh, situation. But, um, you know, the other stuff that's kind of gone under the radar with all this stuff, um, it's been in the news really for a month. Um, you know, they're they're destroying a national monument in order to build a border wall. Um um, they came out this week about uh, Cuccinelli and that his some of his orders are inval- were invalidated because he's just an acting head. Um, this whole deal with the Taliban and what's going on in Afghanistan, it seems like they're not living up to their end of the bargain, but Trump doesn't seem to care. He's going to get us out of there, which, you know, as long as it's not a power vacuum that Russia's going to step into again like Syria, if they're ready for it, then, you know, you know, you know, you know congratulations to them all. Um, uh, and then, you know, that little PR stunt, um, with, you know, he's donating a salary to HHS, like that's going to make, you know, that, you know, a hundred thousand dollars is really going to make a big, um, uh, impact on, 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 on the coronavirus fight, um, when Congress is working on 8.3, you know, 3 billion or whatever. Um, do we, you know, I think you've, we've, we've already answered this again, but, you know, is there any way, I mean, what... You know, you know, short of of of, of Trump being visited by uh, you know an angel or or whatever uh, an alien, uh, you know, whatever you believe in, he's some sort of spirit that comes down and touches him and changes him. Is there any way to stop him from just you know Trump being Trump and kind of operating in this you know seemingly immoral, uh, unethical, unorganized manner? Look, all he cares about is keeping that base of his, which is a minority of American voters, never forget that. Uh, yeah, there are 60 million or so of them, but still, they do not in any way, shape, or form represent where most of this country is politically. And that includes a good percentage of conservatives themselves. Um, but So he's got to make sure every single one of them show up for him in November, because that is the only way he wins re-election. Um, so, you know, he, and this wall, of course, very little of which has been built. And now, as you said, we're seeing 19 states sue over it because they, you know, number one, they don't appreciate the money being diverted, but number two, uh, you know, they understand the long-term economic implications this could have. Um, I mean, you know, you've seen, interestingly enough, you mentioned Ken Cuccinelli as an acting head. Well, this whole matter with Rick and Rahill appointing him to DNI director has backfired massively to the point of where, you know, there's now talk Trump's going to put John Ratcliffe, the uh, Texas representative in there, mm-hmm. who's very much a hardcore Trumper and an ideologue, but might be a little more qualified, I suppose. Um, you know, it's funny. Yeah, that's I, like I, saying I, that he's I, more qualified than me. I mean, I'm a journalist and all, but I am not a national intelligence no, expert, precisely, right? Precisely, precisely. Um, right, because they knew that Grinnell would never get through Senate confirmation, um, even with that Senate, that there was even, and especially now that you have several GOP senators who are really in danger of losing their seats. One of them is in your state. We don't need to mention her name. Uh, may not. It's going to be interesting to watch some of them back away from Trump as they're heading into election, because they know they've got a winning state's such as Susan Collins's, which is blue, Cory Gardner's, and McSally's, which, of course, is becoming more purple by the day. 
Um, so, you know, I think he's going to find pushback from some elements there. Yeah, you know, I don't, um, you know, I, I, you know, Karen, I have to tell you that I think that they've totally drunk the Kool Aid. I think these Republicans are going to go down in flames with him. Um, you know, McSally might, specifically. Yeah. So, you know, that's their choice, and they've probably <laughs> been promised a good lobbying job if they if they take the fall for him. Um, I, you know, I don't know what to say. That's that's up to them. But I. I I, look, I, you know, as for him donating part of his salary, that's funny. Maybe I'm wrong. Didn't he already donate most of his salary? Well, I, you I, know, we supposedly he does PR it every quarter. Things. Supposedly every quarter he do, donates uh-huh. and he decides uh-huh. which part of the government he's donating it to. Yeah. Uh, you know, blah. Fra- <laughs> frankly, unless the Treasury Department, Department can truly prove that that's happening, I think most people are highly skeptical. Yeah, you know, and that, that, you know, Um, the great piece that we referenced from Vox um, really kind of talks about uh, how much money he's profiting from that this 400, you know, him donating bits of his $400,000 salary um, four times a year um, means nothing when um, he's having Secret Service agents stay at Mar-a-Lago and Doral and any of his other, you know, the Bedminster property. They spend more than that. Just to right, and then he say, they, I think the taxpayers are on the hook now, and for one hundred to three hundred million dollars alone on his golfing trips because he, he has to be shuttled back and forth to Florida or New Jersey, and you know, instead of maybe finding somewhere nearby in Washington during the right time of the year to golf, which I believe other presidents have done, um, without costing so much money to the American taxpayer. Um, and I, I, you know, you mentioned the Afghanistan plan. I, I found the whole timing of that very suspicious. That seems like that was cobbled together quickly, almost in a panic to divert from the growing outrage over the Trump administration's handling of the COVID-19 spread. I, I just and, and, and now we've heard that they're still fighting there and U.S. forces are involved. So this deal, I'm sorry, it sure seems like it's not worth the paper it's written on. Um, and even, you know, so I that just another thing where Trump felt like this is probably, oh, this will really help me. And again, we're seeing it's it's not working. Um, and I, I just I don't think Donald Trump, as we've seen, because he's fired anybody who might have pushed back. Um, I don't think he cares whatsoever about trying to you know, winning, winning over anybody outside of his base. Yeah, uh, which has been a long-term criticism of his, that, and that's another reason why he is vulnerable to losing in November. Is he has not expanded his voter base whatsoever, um, whereas yeah. say George W. Bush did, Bill Clinton did, uh, to a lesser degree Barack Obama did, um, but Trump has not done that, and I, mm-hmm. I just don't think he cares. And and I'm, you know, again, this man is running for a second term because, frankly, if he does lose. Next year, he may very well be indicted by the state of New York or might even face some federal charges. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I, I just you're looking at somebody who just seems comes off as just desperate and more frantic all the time and yeah. really has not come into this job at all and seems to have no interest whatsoever in doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I don't you know, I, I've said this before on this podcast and I will say it again. Donald Trump is a bad person. Mm-hmm. A bad person. We've yeah. had poor people in that office we didn't like or per se or didn't agree, but you never felt like that they enjoyed hurting people. And I you know, this man for some reason there's there's a, a part of him that seems to and I 
I'm sorry. That's I, I, you know, it has nothing to do with objectivity. It has to do with being a decent human being mm-hmm. and seeing when someone is not acting like one. And right. so I, you know, we I, we can just look forward to more of this and more of these these rallies that he's going to hold every week. I mean, it's interesting. He he seemed to do one right before the big South Carolina primary. He did one before Super Tuesday, and that doesn't seem to really have affected turnout among Democrats. I mean, one again, the, the theme is Democrats have said, we want this guy out, period, and we're going to show up in November. So I I just, I, I have said this all along, the worse it gets for him, the worse he's going to act. Yeah. I don't think he's capable of, of, of growing up enough to understand what's at stake here. Yeah, you know, you know I, I'd like to be proven wrong, but I don't think I will be. Yeah, you know, so, the Taliban thing is... Um, you know, I, I, I did remember that, you know, they were going to have that uh, meeting at Camp David in September. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember that whole hey, September 11th um, situation? Yeah. Um, I think they've been working on it for quite a bit. I just don't. It's kind of like, you know, um, you know, he trusts these folks that are seemingly more like him. Um, and he doesn't um, trust people who aren't. And it seemed to me to have the well-being of our, you know, of more people. Um, they try to look at the big picture. Um, he trusts Kim Jong-un. He trusts Vladimir Putin. He's seemingly trusting the Taliban. I don't think anybody else trusts the Taliban. Um, and again, like we said, um, they're not doing their prisoner release. There's been more shelling and, and battling going on. Um, they're just, I, you know, I think... That you know that it's kind of like you know when when the when the U.S. government went west, um, the treaties they signed with the Native Americans weren't as you know were 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 were, were invalid. They just wanted them to stop. They were going to keep going. The Taliban's the same way. I think they don't give a crap. They will sign anything so they can have free reign again because they know that maybe that political capital isn't there to go back. And, 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 and that's the situation. And, you know, and it's going to be dealt with whether it's right for the United States to stay there or not. I don't know. And, and that's, you know, again, hopefully we, we, we have the smarter people than me making those decisions because they're, they're discussing things. They know what the deal is on the ground there, and I don't. Um, but I think trusting the Taliban is a mistake. And, and you know, um, they're going to have to go there and, and – and, that's really, I think, where where the problem is with this whole deal that's been done. Um, it's probably not going to be fulfilled on their side. They will they'll say anything to get the U.S. Uh, Army out of Afghanistan so they can run roughshod again. Um, and 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 who knows who this is designed to benefit? But it it probably won't benefit us. It'll mean that we spend all that time there for nothing. Yeah, it's it's again it's it's uh, it was understandable now nearly nineteen years ago. When the United States invaded Afghanistan, Osama bin Laden was there uh, at the time, and this was the man who masterminded the September 11th attacks, and he needed to be dealt with. Um, it would take 10 more years before that happened uh, under a, you know, President Obama's administration. Um, and, you know, what, we've, there's a reason that Afghanistan is called the Graveyard of Empires. Um, yes, Americans want out of there, rightfully so, but it, it has to be done in a manner that is, you know, with competence and with a full understanding of what the stakes are if we leave. 
And I don't think we've seen that at all with the steel. And it's obviously the Taliban is not playing ball right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a shame. And, it, you know, you, your heart breaks, of course, for the Afghan people mm-hmm. who have been dealing with decades of war and oppression. Centuries. And they deserve so much better. And, of course, for our, our soldiers who, you know, thousands of them who were killed over there in service and have served multiple deployments and come back. I, you know, they deserve so much better. Um so I, you know, I, I don't, I, I think, frankly, we're going to have to, it's going to take another administration to really find a, a workable actual peace deal with, with again, the rea- with the understanding is it's, it's never going to be a perfect situation there. It never is anywhere. Um, right. And that's just, uh, I, I think that's where we stand now. As always, Karen. Great discussion, and as always, we always push it because there's more to talk about. Um, I think we could probably, you know, sit every day and talk for four, five, six hours <laughs> on politics. But thanks for the oh, one goodness. hour or nearly that you've given me today. Um, I learned a lot. Thank you, Karen. Well, thank you, John, and thank you to all the listeners. And um, just Mel, uh, you know, here's to uh, here's to March being a better month for us all. Thank you again, Karen. We'll talk at you all next time. Thanks.